Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. The fewer Fs I give, the more money I make. Chris Tate says this. He also says, regard all your trades as Tinder dates. Keep swiping until you get one that looks okay. This year, Chris Tate and Louise Bedford travelled to most Australian capital cities to present short-term trading magic. I attended the Sydney conference, which was held at the Pullman Hotel, circular key. On the day, I got to tweak my own trading system, which was waiting until the action is confirmed at the end of the price period in a short-term trading system. I just want to say this. Chris and Louise can trade in their sleep. They know their system so well. They don't need to present. They don't need to educate people on the markets, but they are so passionate about what the markets can do for people. They are so passionate about educating people to see the chart patterns and raid the markets for profits. That's why they travel around Australia. And in today's interview with Chris Tate, we look at some of the finer intricacies of short-term trading magic that were mentioned on the day's conference, and we look at how you can pull a profit from the markets. But first up, Louise joins us in Mind Power on Don't Give Up Your Trading Education. I remember the first time that I walked to the shops by myself. I was four years old. My pigtails were swinging as I walked, and it was a big deal. A huge deal. The lure of the two-cent bag of lollies sang loudly in my ears. I was so excited. Yes, I looked both ways as I crossed the road. Tick. And yes, I remembered to turn right at that street with the big tree. Tick. But then disaster struck. I checked my pocket. Oh my gosh, that two-cent coin. Where did it go? Panic set in. I started to cry. I started hunting. I tried to stay calm, but I felt so choked as I started to feel that constriction at the back of my throat. No luck. I couldn't find that two-cent coin. But just as I had begun to give up hope, my neighbour appeared out of nowhere. He helped me look. He helped me retrace my steps and voila, there it was, that two-cent coin. I was so grateful. I held on to that coin so tightly. I ran the rest of the way to the shop. Those lollies, they were super sweet that day. The victory, it was immense. And when you think back over your life, I'll bet 
that there are things that you handle with ease now that were once as perplexing as hell. And if that's the case, don't you think that maybe, just maybe, that the things that seemed hard in your past could be the things that seem easy now? And in years to come, that cycle could repeat for you. You had to struggle back then, but now it's a breeze. The struggle is often forgotten once you've conquered that skill and trading is no exception. The efforts that you're going to now will set you up for a life of ease in the future. Your trader's life. But if you give up when you drop that two cent coin, you will never know the sweet treats that await. Don't give up. Pursue your own trading education. Your future you deserves it. Hi, I'm Tom Basso, and I enjoy listening to Talking Trading. Are you on priority notification for Chris Tate and Louise Bedford's next Repeat for Free mentor program? Well, you need to be. Register at tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. They'll teach you how to trade every instrument over every time frame. That's tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. Christopher Norman Tate, hello and welcome. Hi, Caroline. The fewer Fs I give, the more money I make. I actually have a T-shirt that says that. I'm actually thinking of getting mugs built and which have that on it and given to everyone I know. It comes about from the notion that if I don't care about the result of any given trade, then I'm free from any encumbrance emotionally that that trade has. So if I have a position that's been very, very profitable, comes back and hits my stop at break even, I'm not concerned about that because I know there'll be another one. Treat trading like a game and you will make money. It's because it is a game. It's not serious. People actually think it is serious. Traders don't actually do anything that is serious. I know we think we do, and I know we think money is a, a matter of life and death. It's not. It is a game. And the more you treat it as a game, and it, with it being a game, you bring in an element of play. And one of the things adults cannot do is play. We seem to lose that ability. This means that you can't play with trading systems. You can't play with your own emotions and see how you perform. You can't play with the results and go, well, ah, oh, yeah, that was a bit of a giggle, but I think I can do better by doing ABC because your mind is simply not free to explore those things. You're like a person who's on the edge of a cliff hanging on with your fingernails. You just dug in. Treating it like a game and playing means you can do anything because it's not that important. Trading compared to Tinder. You should regard all your trades as or potential trades as Tinder dates. You just keep swiping until you get one that looks okay, and then it probably lasts for an evening or two days, and you move on swipe for the next one. Archetypal trade. It's so important for a trader to find that you should laminate it and hang it up. One of the things that intrigues me is that the majority of traders I've come across have a very specific methodology, and that methodology is I've just pulled this idea out my ass. And it has no basis in fact at all. And it has no basis in what I've seen work in the past. All your trades must conform to a set of rules. 
And these rules are derived from looking back in time and looking at a trade that you wish you might have taken back then. You then look at what happened before this trade took off and go, I want all my trades to match those conditions and only those conditions. Once you do that, you've now got a template. Once you have a template, you remove doubt. Once you remove doubt, you remove fear. Once fear is removed, you can start to play and the world becomes a lot different. Pick only the perfect trades for entry, not suboptimal entries. There's a trading version of beer goggles where if you stare at something longer and longer, it kind of looks all right. By the end of the night, they look fabulous. This is not the way it should be. You, sh- you should have this, this vision of what you want. And if it doesn't conform to that, move on, because there will be an enormous number of opportunities elsewhere. Complexity versus simplicity in a trading plan. One of the issues that people face is that we believe that if we impose complexity on a problem, we A, solve the problem, and B, give ourselves control over the problem. That's not true. If you can't take a simple idea and make it work, merely bolting bits onto that simple idea to make it more and more and more complex will not not make it work. If the idea is rooted from the start, then it will be simply a more complex rooted version in the future. And all you're going to do is confuse the living hell out of yourself. Fractal price discovery. What's that? When we, when we look at instruments, when you look at a chart, what, what you're seeing is the result of the interaction of buyers and sellers over any given time frame or scale. When we begin to slice and dice that time frame, a few things happen. In markets that are highly liquid, and I'm talking things like FX, which is very, very liquid, uh, FX can be, can be considered to be a mile wild, but also a mile deep. It's an enormous market. And it's a continuously traded market. So that what happens is if you break that down into, say, a weekly chart, daily, four hour, one hour, 30 minutes, and you put them all up on the wall without knowing what time frame they were, you couldn't tell by looking at them. Because there is so much price discovery, so much liquidity, that patterns that appear weekly also appear daily. Those that appear daily appear on six hours. Those that appear on six appear on four, appear on one, so on down the scale. Illiquid markets like local equities are staccato. They're very stop-start. It's quite possible, for example, that a share might not have a trade for an hour. Then it'll have two or three. Then it might go another hour without a trade. Equities markets shut at four. So there is this, it, they're bounded by their time frame, open at 10, shut at 4. Things happen overnight. Now, the reaction to things happening overnight is often an extreme movement on the open. Equities charts are full of discontinuities, are full of holes. That's simply a function of price discovery. But what it does mean is that short-term trading things like uh, domestic equities is a really stupid thing to do because it's not that price discovery. Decision fatigue. Restrict your trading universe. My understanding of sort of the figures is that on any given day, humans make between twenty and 25,000 conscious and unconscious decisions. The brain is the most metabolically active organ in the body. It draws on anywhere up to 25% of the energy requirements of the body. You get friggin' tired of making decisions. If you have... The short-term trading system does require you to make more decisions in a long-term trading system, and you apply that to a vast universe of tools, you're making 
many, 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 many more decisions. You're going to tire of that process very, very quickly. It is much more effective and efficient to contract the universe and make your decisions much, much sharper. You make them razor sharp as they apply to a small universe. And this runs contrary to the notion that seems to be out there in the friggin' trading universe that to be successful, you must trade everything. That's not true. To be successful, you need to trade a few things really well. And your trading universe has contracted over time, hasn't it? It has. It's getting smaller and smaller. But there's also a discipline in this, in that you've got to, and I believe the young folks call this FOMO, or fear of missing out, you've got to accept that there will be moves that you don't see and get. That's just the nature of the world. You can't trade everything. Even in very, very large trading houses, they split markets across desks and floors so that they'll have a European desk, an Asian desk, they'll have commodities, so people doing this. They split them because they realise that no one individual or group can cover them all. And markets do require a degree of specialisation to get to and to understand the rhythm of the market. If you're shotgunning yourself all over the place, you're not going to get to that stage of development. You're always going to be this sort of very infantile reactive approach, as opposed to truly understanding the rhythm of things and how they work. Cash flow versus wealth. Where does short-term trading fit? Short-term trading does a few things really well. It generates cash flow really well. It adds diversification. Now, why is cash flow important? When you're trading, traders are a little bit like farmers. Farmers often say that they're very, very asset-rich but cash flow poor in bad years. They've got a lot of equipment, a lot of land, a lot of buildings that are worth a small fortune, but they don't generate any income. You can't eat the tyre off your tractor. Traders are the same. You might have this very large portfolio that through simple dent of it producing dividends produces a tiny amount of cash flow, but it's a tiny amount. You've got to eat. Now, the only way you can solve that problem with a large equity base is to begin to sell bits off. Now, that defeats the purpose of being a long-term trend follower. Short-term trading helps with that problem because you do have this turnover mentality and you do have the capacity to have a pool of money that generates cash flow as it occurs, which you then draw off to live on. So it solves that problem. It won't solve the problem of wealth creation because it's not designed to do that. If you're in a repetitive, robotic mode for trading, you are in the right place. Interesting thing about machines. If you watch a production line, if you watch cars being made by machines... Machines are implacable, and they are repetitive, and they never stop. The simple question I often pose to people is, you've got a choice. You may own Lamborghini, the car manufacturer, not the car, or Hyundai, the car manufacturer. Which one do you want? Well, idiots will occasionally say Lamborghini, and Lamborghini do make beautifully handcrafted machines that are built for dwarfs with small penises. Hyundai have robots that make cars hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, and it just cranks them out. I would rather own Hyundai. In a short-term system, you do not go into the action until the price is confirmed at the end of the period. 
One of the problems with short-term trading is that it seems to induce some form of trading Tourette's in that they go off half-cocked and they, they sort of see a signal and go, bah, I'll take it now and I'll get in really early. You, you still have to apply exactly the same discipline to a short-term trading that you apply to a longer-term system. That discipline is simply focused over a shorter-term time frame. So if your rules say, I wait till the end of the formation of the candle or bar, whatever you want to call it, over that time period, then I wait. I don't go in, if, I, if I'm trading four-hour candles, I don't go in at two hours because I think it sort of looks maybe all right. I wait until the end and then I go. That's the problem. People think that the moment you move to a short-term trading time frame, that you need to have some form of seizure over every, every possible trade that comes up instead of sitting and waiting patiently like a monk. A candle has to have effect within three periods or you move on to the next trade. If it's not working, it's not working. One of the things about short-term trading is that because of the focus and granularity of your decision-making, it has to work almost instantly. If it doesn't, you're wrong. And you need to move. You can't just sit there going, oh, it all might get better. Move on. There's always another trade, always. In short-term trading, do not let a profitable position become a losing position. This relates very much to the psychology of short-term trading. In short-term trading, in absolute terms, you make many, many, many more decisions. And in absolute terms, this means you'll be wrong more often. But in relative terms, you know, if, if your system is right 50% of the time, then it's right 50% of the time. But we don't think in relative terms. We think in absolute terms. Humans are very, very bad statisticians. If you have a position that has been profitable, that has been sitting there, but not quite enabled you to move stop to break even, and it begins to reverse on you, it is foolish to let it come all the way back and hit you. Simply kill it at break even, take a breath, wait for a reset, move on to another trade, because again, there will be another one. It's very psychologically distressing to see a position that was profitable become a losing one. And that's an action you've allowed to occur. Your average hold time for a position is two weeks. Which sounds a bit strange for short-term trading, doesn't it? It's simply because what's occurred over recent months is I've had some trades in, particularly gold and the NASDAQ 100, that have blown the holding time out. But one of the things that is important to note about short-term trading is that you will still get the occasional trend that you, you would consider long-term for a short-term system. They, it's also the way I organise my stops. I, I don't panic about markets moving against me. I'm quite happy to drop trades at break even that had been profitable and move on because I know over the long term and on average, which are two phrases that people forget in trading, that I will get trades that don't do that and which just explode out of the blocks for five or ten days. What are the drivers in your portfolio at the moment, CT? They would be gold, silver, NASDAQ 100, although that, with all this, the dick measuring going on between Trump and Kim Jong-un, that, that's, that's, that's sort of stalled completely. Let's talk about gold for a minute, because you said that there are tradable trends in gold. Why is gold an, an instrument that you like? I think because it's highly liquid. It does trend very well. And it is prone to trending on the basis, at times, it doesn't seem to have the importance it used to, of political shocks. For example, over the past week, 
we've had a situation where Asian markets have been bumpy, the gold's been going up. And that's in direct response to sort of the childishness we see on the world stage with Trump tweeting as if he's Arnold Schwarzenegger about to march in North Korea. And you're seeing that occur and unfold. Gold is no no longer the safe haven in times of difficulty that used to be that. That methodology or idea has dissipated over time, but it still does respond to these sorts of shocks. Once you understand the rhythm of instruments, the rest becomes easy. I'm, I'm of the view that is slightly different to other people. I actually believe markets are really, really, really generous. And they're really generous in terms of what they will tell you. They will tell you everything you need to know. You just have to listen and understand what you're being told. Think of it this way. Let's use an analogy. Surfing is a form of trading. You sit there out in the cold with your feet dangling (laughs) and you'll get little move, little move, little move, big move. All moves end with you falling off because that's just the way it occurs. All trades end that way as well. But you understand that nothing you say or do can force the wave to occur or force it to go any longer than it does. And so it has a rhythm. Traders don't understand the rhythm of their markets. They don't understand that no matter what they say, they won't go any longer than it goes of its own accord. They won't occur with any greater frequency than they want. They have a rhythm. You are just the custodians of money for a short term It's not yours. And this is the great problem that people have is that particularly with leveraged accounts, when they look at the amount of open equity they have, uh, and the dealing systems do this, and I actually switch it off so I don't see it because it's distracting. It's not your money, A, until the position's closed, and even at the end of the day, it's still not your money. You can still give it back to the market at some stage on the next trade. And again, you come back to this notion of It's a game. I've got no relationship with it, so it's so much easier. The fewer Fs I give, the more money I make. CT, thanks for your time. Thanks, Caroline. Stay tuned next week for just a touch more short-term trading magic as Chris Tate talks about just a few more intricacies of the system. I'm Caroline Stephen. Have a good week in the markets. We'll see you next show. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.